who and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? Your past. Rise and walk with me. But I am mortal and liable to fall. Bear but a touch of my hand there. Another idol has replaced me. Another idol? What idol? A golden one. There is nothing on this earth more terrifying to me than a life doomed to poverty. May I ask, why do you condemn with such severity the honest pursuit of substance? Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so. And it was made... You are another man. I was a... I release you, Ebenezer. Have I ever sought release? In words, no. In what, then? In an altered spirit. But if you were free today... Would you choose a dowerless girl? A girl left penniless by the death of her parents? You who weighs everything by gain? Spirit, remove me from this place. I told you, these were shadows of things that have been. They are what they are. Do not blame me. Remove me, I cannot bear it. Me. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. I don't know if you've ever seen A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, but Charles Dickens way back in 1843 wrote the book called A Christmas Carol, and it is a bestseller in human history. Uh, he was living in London, England, and it's an amazing story about a man's journey from being this this Scrooge. Literally, it's about a guy named Ebenezer Scrooge, and, and he's a Scrooge. He's a miser. He seems to hate everybody and everything. The only thing that he seems to love in life is this thing called money, and it's about his journey from that type of a heart to a totally different kind of heart, a, a heart filled with generosity, a heart 
filled with, dare I even say, faith. And, and so it's an incredible book. And, and at the heart of the book is this journey uh, through, through the eyes of the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. Uh, one night, Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by his uh, longtime business partner who had died some years earlier, and uh, his name is Marley, and the ghost of Marley appears to Ebenezer and warns him that he needs to change his heart. He needs to change the direction of his life before it's too late, and Ebenezer doesn't want anything to do with that. He wants to stay the same, uh, and so Marley, this ghost character, introduces him to three other ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And the ghost of Christmas past takes him backwards in his life and looks at how he's lived his life and how he kind of came to the point where he's at now. And then the ghost of Christmas present kind of shows how how he has no friends and how he's alone in this world and, and that if he's not careful, he's going to die alone. And then the ghost of Christmas future, or the ghost of Christmas to come, shows him that he does die utterly alone and nobody likes him. Nobody even cares that he's died. And so Ebenezer Scrooge is taken on this journey. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie or read the book, uh, but he has this heart change that goes on. And so what I want to do, if it's uh, cool with you, is I want to take us on a little journey through the ghosts of Christmas, both the past, the present, and the future. And I want to spend today looking at some of the things in our past that we that we've held on to these, these grudges, how we've been offended in life and how we hold on to things. And it ends up turning into bitterness inside of us and it kills us from the inside out because the ghost of Christmas past needs to go away. At both of our campuses, man, I am thrilled. I think you are in the right place. I think God is going to do something in you tonight. Are you ready for that? Come on, are you ready for that? All right, help me out. Help me out. At uh, both of our campuses, let me ask a uh, simple question. Who is like really into Christmas? Like you're like, I'm into Christmas. I love Christmas. Any of those folks in the room? Anybody? Hands up all over the place. Okay, now how many of you would say, not so much, man. I, I could take it or leave it. I could take it or leave it. What is wrong with you people? I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I, I love the hustle and bustle. I, I love the decorations. I love the lights. I love the parties. I love the food. Uh, I love the music. Oh my goodness, I love the music. I, it just does something to me. I, I absolutely love it. I even love the way that, that, that people, just everybody, just everybody, just seems to be so nice to one another. So kind and gentle and forgiving and full of grace and mercy toward one another. All right, not so much that, but I really do love Christmas. Now, for all you humbugs out there who could say you could take it or leave it a little bit, uh, let me help you out. There are some ways that you can ruin Christmas, not only for yourself, but for really everybody involved. I mean, really everybody. There are some ways that you can do this. Uh, and the first one is this, if you want to take notes on how to ruin Christmas, uh, it would be this, just try being more selfish. Be more selfish. I mean, listen, we all know that life is hard, but you need to let everybody else know that your life is the hardest. Right? And the most important. Uh, true story. I, I, I heard about this uh, through the news. Uh, this blew my mind. Uh, blew my mind. But this lady uh, went to one of the retail stores 
uh, long lines already, you know, and people, you know, all lined up and crazy. Uh, and she's waiting in line, and she decides that she doesn't have to wait in line. She literally cuts to the front of the line, true story, and people got really mad. And they're like, lady, you cannot just cut in front of the line. And they told her that she needed to move to the back of the line, and, and she threw such a fit. It says that the whole store knew that this lady did not like having to be told that she needed to wait in line just like everybody else. What is wrong with people? Right? Right? So that's number one. If you want to ruin your Christmas or, or just for everybody's Christmas, just try being more selfish. That'll help out. Uh, here's the second thing. Take everything personally. I mean, just be offended by everything that comes your way when, you know, somebody says something. Just assume it's about you. When they look at you a little funny and you don't quite know what they're thinking, just assume it's bad, right? Just be offended. I mean, just take it all in and be offended and hold on to that anger because you wouldn't want to move forward at all, right? Uh, just just hold on, take it all in. Uh, and, and when when, uh, when 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 you hear something and you don't like it, go on Facebook and let the whole world know it. Uh, let the whole world know you're angry. It's great. Uh, just let the whole world know you're disappointed. It's wonderful. Let everybody know about everything that you think all the time. It's great, okay? That'd be number two. Here's the third way, and probably the, really the best way. If you want to ruin Christmas, I mean, really ruin it for everybody involved, here, here's the third way. Um, hold on to a grudge. I mean, there are people out there, you know, they're crazy. They, they, they want to make relationships right. They want to move forward, right? They want to forgive and they want to work on it and they want to move forward. That's crazy talk. You need to hold on to that anger because anger is what fuels you. Anger is what keeps you going, right? And this idea that you're going to forgive somebody because you know what they've done to you, right? You know what they said about you. You can't go forgiving people like that. You've got to hold on to that, amen? That'll ruin Christmas. All right, I'm just kidding around. Okay, so you, nobody, listen, nobody wants to ruin Christmas, and nobody wants to ruin their life. Uh, but there are these things that we do that literally ruin it for us, that sabotage our own existence, that literally keeps us from what God wants to do. You see, God intends something uh, to be great and something to be beautiful. And we just have this way of making it ugly sometimes. Have you ever noticed that Christmas time seems to magnify all of your feelings? You know, when something is good in life and something is right, Christmas time just makes it better. Am I right? It just has this way of making that which is already good and special even more special. But it also has this way of taking those hurts and those pains, and it magnifies that as well. Those things that have bothered you for a long time, stuff that is deep inside of you, it, it tends to magnify even those types of feelings. And so Christmas is this exasperator of life both ways. It, it really is true. Um, but God intends for it to be an incredible gift toward us. God intends for it to be great. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about something that has, has become very important to me. It's something that God is doing a work inside of me that he's, that he's forming in me. Uh, and I want to talk to you about overcoming offenses. I want to talk to you a little bit about overcoming or getting past those grudges that we, we carry in life. So let, let me get your help just for a second at both of our campuses uh, and those of you joining us online. Let, let me ask you real quick. Do you know somebody who is easily offended? Anybody just say, you know, I know somebody. It's like walking on eggshells around them. Every time you say something, you don't know what they're going to, you know, do or how they're going to react. Anybody know somebody like that? Yeah, yeah, those people right now, if they knew that you were raising your hand about them, they would be so offended. It would be unbelievable right now, right? Uh, but let's, let's take the honesty up just a little bit. How many of you would say, it's true even about me? I can 
be a little easily offended. Probably a little too often and a little too easily. Anybody want to just admit that? How about we take it up another level? How many of you would say, I'm good at carrying a grudge. I can carry a grudge like the best of them. I can carry it for a long, long time. I'm good at carrying grudges. Matter of fact, I'm carrying a grudge right now. Anybody? Yeah, I want to talk to you. That's who I want to talk to uh, today. So um, maybe you can identify with this idea of carrying a grudge or being offended and being hurt in life. Uh, Let me tell you something, friends. Uh, I've been there. And this is a real struggle for me. But God is wanting to do a work in me, and I think he's wanting to do a work in some of you today. I really believe this. Like, like for example, this is how good I am at, at, at being offended. Uh, like, you know when you're cruising down the road and you're caught in traffic and, and uh, somebody wants to get in and they got the whole blinker thing going on and, and you are so kind and so loving that you pause and you let that person in when they don't even deserve to get in there, but they get in there anyways. And here's the thing that is so offensive. They don't even give you the nod. They don't even give you the wave. You know, like, like, you are so good and so righteous and so godly. I appreciate you. If, I, if you didn't do this for me, I would still be waiting in traffic for three hours. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? And it just makes me, it makes me mad, right? Or, or like when you, like it's pouring down rain or something and you hold the door open for somebody else and you're getting drenched, but you wait and you wait and you wait and finally they make it in and they don't even say, thank you. Man. Right? And, and this whole technology craze, right? There's a whole new level of being offended because, listen, you get on Facebook or you get on Instagram and you follow people and you like other people and they don't follow you. So <laughs> offensive, right? Or, or, or even worse is that you're, you're following them and they start to follow you and you think, all right, now we got a mutual thing going on here. And you comment all kinds of nice comments on their stuff and they are dead silent on your stuff, not even a like. <laughs> How hard is it to give you a like for crying out loud, right? Or it's like when you text somebody and, uh, you, you know, I'm like a text back kind of a guy. You text me, I, I'm going to get back around to it fairly quick. And some people, some of you, not that I'm offended or anything, but it takes like 24 hours for you to get back to me. I'm like, what am I, nobody? What is going on here, you know? And, and so we just what? We just get offended. Uh, but it's not just the, the simple things. And we can chuckle at those things. We can laugh. Uh, but it's big things too, Right? It's not just those small offenses. It is the big stuff in life. Some of us have been lied to and some of us have been betrayed at the highest levels and we've been hurt and walked over in life and overlooked in life and the pain is real and the hurt is real and we end up dragging that through our lives and it's like an arbitrage. It is a weight. It is like a cancer in the soul. It eats you from the inside out. And, and friends, here's my hope and here's my prayer for, for, for us uh, this, this year is that I, I pray that with all of my heart that you don't go into a time of honoring our dear Savior's birth, uh, opening gifts of, of joy, uh, only to have a closed heart toward the very people that God has called you to love. I, I hope that when we're celebrating Christ's love that we're not hating those who have offended us. And, and my hope is, is that as, as we experience the grace of God, that we won't withhold the grace of God to those around us who desperately need it. Friends, we've got to figure this thing out. One of the things, reasons I'm so excited about talking about this is that um, I think God is doing a work inside of me in this area. And, and what I want to 
start off with is I want to share something that I've heard uh, many preachers say. I've read this in several books, uh, but it's something that I had a, a hard time getting into my soul. I had a hard time really believing this and living this out. And, and this, if you get nothing else out of today, get this, write this down, take a picture of this. This will be worth it to you. Uh, friends, here it is. Your life is too short and your calling is too great to carry a grudge or to live offended. I'm not sure y'all heard that, but your life is too short and your call in your life is too great for you to walk around carrying a grudge or living offended. Amen? You hear me on this, friends? And, and what do I mean by life is too short? You know that life is short. The scripture says life is like a vapor. It is like a wind that comes and it goes and you can't hold on to it. It slips no matter how fast you grab for it. It just goes away. I got, I got to thinking about this. I got two kids who are in college. I got one kid who's almost done with college already. And it was like three weeks ago that they were babies. Anybody feel that? Life is too short to carry a grudge. Life is too short to live, live constantly offended by everything and everybody, what everybody says about you. It's just too short for that, friends. And let me tell you something else. Your life, your calling on your life is way too great to walk around with a grudge that's holding you back from what God wants. You are called, if you, if you are a follower of Jesus, and I don't know that you are, I'm not sure where you're at in life. I'm not sure what your faith is all about. If you have it, if you don't, I'm super glad that you're here. If, if, if you're new to this whole Christian thing, I think it's important that you soul search. I think it's important that you ask questions about faith. But for those of us who have decided to be people of faith, do you know that God has called you to be the light of the world? Y'all hearing me? Because God has called you to something more. You have a great calling in your life. If you're like a teacher, you're not just a teacher. You are a teacher who is called to share the love of Jesus with the world. If you're an engineer, you're not just an engineer. You're an engineer who's called to show the love of Christ to the world. If you are a warehouse worker, if you are a domestic engineer, if you are a taxi cab driver, if you are an Amazon worker, you are one of those who is called to live out the gospel, to show the light of Jesus to the world around you. No matter what you do, your calling is great. Let me tell you something, friends. If you get nothing else, understand that life is too short. And your calling is too great to carry a grudge or to live offended. I want you to think about this, friends. This is central to finding freedom, to moving forward in, in our life. And so what I want to do is I want to begin by just kind of setting the tone around one little verse of Scripture that shapes and ought to shape our thinking when it comes to this idea of being bitter to this idea of forgiveness, to this idea of moving forward in our life. And here is what the book of Proverbs says in chapter 19, uh, verse 11, from the ancient scriptures. Um, God is breathing this into us tonight. Hear these words. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. In other words, as you grow in wisdom, you'll become more patient. Ooh. Ah, I don't know. I don't, that's tough. Anybody? As you grow in your wisdom... You'll become more patient toward life. And here's why. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. What was that? It is to one's glory to what? Overlook, overlook an offense. Now, let's get on the same page here. What, now, what does this mean to overlook an offense? Uh, we need to recognize that overlooking an offense is not the same as pretending that, that it didn't happen. 
It's not pretending that nothing wrong was done. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not pretending that you weren't hurt or harmed through it. Not at all, friends. The idea of overlooking is like a real-time act of forgiveness. It is a choice that is being made. It is a decision that says, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to let this drag me down. I'm not going to let this hold me back. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move somehow beyond it. As a matter of fact, here's what the scripture teaches. This is interesting. The, the English word that we render to overlook or to, to overlook something comes from two different Hebrew words that are put together and they mean literally the, to, to pass over or to rise above, to overlook something. So in other words, it is where your spirit goes. It is where your mind goes. It is the renewing of your heart and your mind so that you become more like God, so that you live above the offense, so that you're not dragged down low during an offense, so that you stay above it, amen? You overlook it. You get beyond it. You pass over it. You rise above. You rise above. A French philosopher Rene Descartes once said it like this. I love this. He says, uh, whenever anyone has offended me, I try to raise my soul so high that the offense cannot reach it. Woo. Anybody? Right? When, whenever anyone has offended me, hurt me, dragged me down, try to, try to use me and abuse me in some way, I try to raise my soul closer to God so that why? So that why? The offense cannot even reach me. Because why, friends, listen, your life is too short and your call is too great to carry a grudge or to live offended. You got to somehow get beyond. I've got to somehow get beyond. I got to somehow move forward. And so what I want to do is I want to unpack a couple of big thoughts for us today. A couple of big thoughts. And they're going to be centered around this one principle. And you may want to write this down. You may want to take a picture of this. Uh, I think this is so important. Listen, friends, the principle is this. With God's help, I'm going to get over this. Help me out, people, a little bit here. Uh, with God's help, I'm going to what? Get over this. With God's help, with whose help? With God's help, I'm not going to stay the same. With God's help, this wound is going to be healed. With God's help, uh, this hurt is going to be uh, dealt with in my life. I'm going to move forward. And so there's, there are these little offenses that we get stuck on. And then there are these big offenses that are heavy, that just drag on us through our entire life. And many of us are satisfied living there. I do not think we should be satisfied living there. I think God wants to do something big inside of us even today. Y'all with me? Anybody? Y'all with me? Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. And here is the first thing that we're going to unpack a little bit. Uh, and you may want to write this down. It's with God's help, I'm getting over small offenses. With God's help, I'm getting over the little things, the, the small things. Uh, you know, that little jab in the office, that little guy who's working with you who always seems to find a way to pick on you. And it just gets under your skin a little bit. Anybody ever have an experience like that? Well, you go, if that guy says one more thing, I'm going to kick him, right? Right? Well, somehow, listen, it is small people who make small offenses, and I refuse to live small, right? It is small people who make small offenses, and I refuse to stay small and to be small. We're going to move beyond it. Here's what the scripture says. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Listen very carefully. Chapter 4 verse 2. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's what? Faults. Because of your love. 
right? Paul teaches us. The scripture implores us to somehow figure out how to be patient because wise people become patient. Be patient with other people, making allowances for each other's fault. What a powerful verse. What a powerful, powerful thought. Um, let me ask a quick question. How many of you know uh, somebody who's perfect? Anybody? They're perfect? They're perfect. Either do I. So this tells me something. You have to be prepared to make an allowance for my faults. And I need to be prepared to make an allowance for your th faults. Some of y'all, you're close to perfect, but you're not perfect. And there's going to be a moment where you hurt somebody else. And there's going to be somebody else who hurts you. And, and the scripture teaches us to be prepared for this. To know this is coming your way. It will happen to you. So be prepared to make an allowance for somebody else's fault. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. It's, it's, this is very interesting to me. Is that we tend to judge others by their, by their actions. But what do we judge ourselves by? Anybody? Our intentions, right? We, we judge, we tend to judge others by their actions, but we tend to judge ourselves by our best of intentions. For, for example, uh, you did it. You know you did it. I don't know, you were rude or you did something and you know you're guilty. And somebody comes and points it out to you and says, I can't believe you did that. I cannot believe And you go, I, did, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to do, I didn't mean to be rude. I didn't mean to whatever. You know my heart. Anybody, you know my heart. I would never do that on purpose. You just misunderstood me. That wasn't my intention. And we tend to judge them by their actions, but us by our best intentions, right? And friends, that is a huge, huge issue. It is a problem. We need to recognize that when someone else has a bad day, a bad moment, when someone else has a bad response or seems uncaring or unkind or unfriendly, short, inattentive, lacking of empathy, their, their bad response is not all about you. And it's not meant to necessarily crush you or to somehow keep you out of the game or somehow to take you away from this great call that God has in your life. Their bad driving is not an attempt to ruin your whole life right? Their, their, their snarky remarks are not necessarily meant to empty your soul like they do too often. Somehow, friends, we've got to go beyond this. This is what I'm trying to learn. This is what I'm trying to get. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this, but it's, it's a big deal. Like, for example, um, I was in Sam's Club the other day, the day before Thanksgiving, and I was just thinking this is probably not a good thing to talk about because they might come to our church, who knows. Uh, but I'm in line at the return desk. And has anybody ever been to Sam's? Like the line, like there's 9 million people in line at any given time. And uh, so there's like so many people in front of me and so many people behind me. And I'm in the middle of this line. I'm thinking this thing is gonna take forever to get through. And, and I'm, you know, got items to return and whatnot. And, and so I get a little sidetracked. I get a little... ADD, a little distracted. So I'm in line. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm going to be here forever. It's not going to hurt anything if I just walk over there 10, 12, 15 feet away and I'm going to go look at this item. I think it's a real nice item. So I'm going to go look over there and go, oh, it's so nice. And I'm looking, I'm looking at my car and I'm looking, at, I'm just a few feet away. I'm just looking and looking. And all of a sudden I see this dude. He's taking my car. The guy right behind me who knew I just walked right over there. He's doing this deal. Push my cart out of the way and he steps up. And I'm like, what? What? And I walk over, I'm like, and I, your pastor is so nice. I'm not kidding, so kind. I'm like, oh, sir, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me. Uh, I, I, 
the, the line was all these people and I knew we weren't moving very quick and I just walked right there to look at that item and been waiting in line and you, you moved my card out of line. And, and he calls me this profane name. Like, and I was so mad, so mad. And I'm thinking, I'm a pastor. Oh, man. And all I say to him, I say, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Amen, right? Because listen, God is, 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 is doing something, right? God is doing something. And I guarantee you a few years ago, that would not have been my reaction. It would not have been my reaction. See, listen, my life is too short and my calling is too great. And with God's help, I am going to make allowances for other people's faults. I don't always get this right. But this is my heart's desire. This is what I want to become. This is what I want to do. I've got too much to do for God who is really big than to let all this small stuff take me away from God's big call on my life. Amen? Amen. And here's the second thing I, I got to get around. And um, this is a real deal. It's not the small stuff. We get hung up on the small stuff, but it is not the small stuff that is the root of our struggles. The root of our anger, the root of our bitterness is rarely the small stuff. It is the big stuff. It is the really hurtful, painful stuff. And some of you in this room, I would venture to say almost everybody in this room, if you live long enough, you will experience great letdown. You will experience great hurt and betrayal and pain and disappointment because it comes with life. And friends, I have been there. I know what it's like. I may not have experienced exactly what you have experienced, but we've all been there where there is hurt and there is disappointment and there is pain and it is real. It is very, very real. And, and friends, the truth is, is when we have that kind of pain, we have a choice to make. And the choice is really between two extremes. It really is this radical. It is between two extremes. Uh, we, we can, here's what we often do. Well, he did this or she did this or he said and he said and this is what happened and this is how they hurt me and here's what we do we rehearse that in our mind we replay that in our mind over and over and over and over and over again and that hurt leads to bitterness and that bitterness leads to anger that seeps right out in our soul and let me tell you something it crushes the soul it destroys the life that God has put inside of us it takes us out of our best and it lowers us to low levels of living amen do you hear me, friends? This is what happens. So we have this choice. We can either rehearse it or with God's help, listen to me, we can release it. Come on. We can either rehearse it or we can release it. We can play it over and over and over and over in our minds or we can get to this point where, where we give it back to God. God says, it is to your glory. That means it is to your benefit. It is to make you better. It is to lift you up. It is to your glory to overlook an offense, to make an allowance for a fault done against you. And here, here's the deal, friends. This process of forgiveness, can we just be honest for a moment? It takes time. And sometimes it takes a lot of time. But as we continue to seek God, as we continue to press into him, as we continue to pray, as we continue to seek him above all other things in our life, if we continue to seek to do what is right, his spirit can actually change our hearts and our minds. Come on. His spirit can change us and help us to become something that we're not naturally. As a matter of fact, here's what it says in the book of Colossians. This is going to sound really familiar to you. Something like we just read a moment ago. Totally different book. Totally different church he's writing to. Totally different group of people. 
Listen to what he writes in Colossians chapter three. Paul writes this, make allowances for each other's faults. Sound familiar? Come on, does it sound familiar? And why do you think he has to write this to two different groups of people on two different uh, land masses and two different uh, economic groups, two different uh, churches? Why does he have to do this to two totally different groups of people? Because this is a human problem. All of us struggle with carrying the grudge. All of us struggle with inner bitterness. All of us live offended by something or other. All of us will have experienced hurt. And so Paul knows that this is the human experience. God knows this. And through the writing of Paul, the Holy Spirit says to you and to me, somehow figure out how to make allowances for each other and forgive anyone who what? Oh, man. You can't be serious, God. Do you know what they've done? I don't know what they've done to you. But God does. And he says that the, bitter, the poison of bitterness hurts you, not them. He says it like this. He says, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, listen to this, remember the Lord forgave who? You. So you must forgive others. And some of you are thinking again right now, like, there's just no way. It's impossible to move forward. Let me tell you something, friends. Again, I understand this, and some of these things are so big, and they are so hurtful and so divisive, but let me tell you something. We cannot live in the past forever. It's too deep. It's too heavy. It will drown your soul. We cannot live back there forever. We have to somehow, in some way, figure out how to move forward with this. Move forward. Let me tell you something. And hate is not a way to live forward. Bitterness is not a way to move forward. It will kill you. It will keep you from being all that God intends for you to be. be. So how do we forgive? How do we forgive? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must what? Forgive others. We must forgive as we have been forgiven. Anybody in this room? Anybody on video joining us? Anybody at our other campus? Has anybody ever experienced the grace of God? The forgiveness of God? Uh, the, The goodness of God towards you when you didn't even deserve it? Let me tell you something. If If my whole life was accumulated into a big pile of junk, all the bad, all the hurtful things, all the deceitful things, all the selfish things, all the flat out sin before God, if it was to be piled up and God was to forgive it, I'm telling you it'd be a big pile. I'm telling you, God has forgiven me of a lot. And some of you probably understand that. Some of you probably know this as well. Because God has forgiven you. How do we forgive? Just like God has forgiven us. And friends, what does this look like? It is a process. 
It is a process uh, where we have decided to move forward, where we say, God, help me to forgive. God, change my heart. God, give me grace that you have, uh, help me to give grace to others as you have given it to me. God, I pray for this person, even though I don't want to pray for them. In fact, uh, I, I just want you to, uh, I just want to touch on something uh, big for a moment because I think God has just kind of put this on my heart. We've talked about this before, but right now I know that there are marriages in this room uh, who are watching right now who, who it is dangerously close to being done forever, where there has been an offense that is so big, where adultery has been committed. And uh, let me tell you something. I've been around Christian circles long enough to know that here's what happens. You gather around Christians and, the, and people will say, well, you know, that is biblical grounds for divorce. That, you have the right to a divorce. And, and they're right. They're right. Even Jesus says, if that's happened to you, that you're free to leave, that, that, that you can move on with your life and start over because they have betrayed you in such a big way. And God knows that that's very hard to overcome. But can I give you a different side of the news? Can I? Can I? That's also grounds for incredible forgiveness. That's also grounds where God can take the most broken environments and make something beautiful out of it. It makes him look glorious when he takes something so damaged and he puts it back together again. When hearts are humble before him and toward each other to ask for forgiveness and to move forward, God will take that ash heap and he'll reform it and remake it and he'll make it into something absolutely beautiful. Descartes, Descartes says this, uh, French philosopher, he says, uh, whenever anyone has offended me, I try to raise my soul so high that the offense cannot reach it. In other words, we go above it. We rise above it. Uh, we, we, it's not like it didn't happen. It's not like we don't deal with the consequences and the fallout. It's not that at all. But there is something that is triggered because of God's grace toward us that we move forward, that we decide that I'm not going to live here anymore. I'm not going to live in bitterness and pain and hurt and anger anymore in my life. And friends, it's the little things and it's the big things. And when we grow and when we start to trust God and when we start to move forward in our walk with him, let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going to get to this point where we say, I am getting over this. Come on. Yeah. Come on, you hear me? You're going to get to this point where you're saying, I am getting over this. But here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Look at me. Look at me. Listen, this is what's going to happen. If you trust God, if you move forward with God, if you take steps toward him and you learn to, to give that pain and that hurt over to him, it will not be I am getting over this. It is I'm over this. I'm over that. I'm done with that. I don't live back there anymore. Those things can't rob me anymore. Yeah, there's still a little emptiness there. There's still a little hurt there. Uh, every once in a while that'll bubble up, but you're going, I'm not going back. I've lived there for too long and I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I am moving forward with my life. So let me, let me wrap around a quick story that comes out of the Bible. I just want you to hear this. just want you to hear this. Um, recently, we talked about a guy named Joseph. Anybody remember this guy? Um, Joseph was this guy who had such integrity. Remember we talked about the, the integrity that this man had. Um, some of you remember the backstory. He had 12 brothers. He was the youngest. And um, 
uh, he was, his brothers envied him. They, they were jealous of him because the dad liked him best. And so one day these brothers had enough of him and they literally throw him into a pit thinking he's gonna die in this pit, that some wild animal's gonna jump in there and eat him in the pit. Well, one of the brothers decides, well, it's not so nice to let your brother die in a pit. It's much better to sell your brother into slavery. And so he pulls him out of the pit, makes some money off of his brother, sells him into slavery. This guy, Joseph, he ends up in the land of, of Egypt and it does not go well for him there. One thing after another thing after another thing. And it was a brutal time living in slavery. Uh, he actually ends up in prison because he's accused of raping his master's wife. So he ends up in prison for years, but he was a man of integrity. He lived with integrity and God gives him this gift. Listen to this. God gives him this gift to understand dreams, to, to have a spiritual interpretation of dreams. I know it sounds weird, but God allowed him to have an understanding of what other people were thinking about and struggling with. And so one day, the, the Pharaoh has this dream, and it was a crazy dream. And he didn't understand the dream. And he brings all these witch doctors in and all these priests of the land of, of Egypt in, and none of them can interpret the dream. And, and he hears that there is a guy in his prison named Joseph who God seems to give this understanding of dreams to. And so he calls for Joseph to come out of prison and he tells him his dream. And his dream was that there was famine in the land. A terrible, terrible famine in the land. And he didn't know what to do with it because Egypt was a land of plenty and beauty and, and, and riches. And so uh, he hears this whole dream and Joseph says, here's what God is speaking to you, Mr. Pharaoh. He says that God is gonna give you seven years of plenty where it's all good where everything is just rocking, it's going to be great. And then he's going to be seven years of utter famine in the land. It's going to be disaster in the land. And if you don't save for this time of disaster, the people of Egypt, they're going to die. And you're going to lose your authority and everything's going to go downhill really, really fast. It's not going to be good, right? And so the king prepares for this and he decides to put Joseph in power and literally says, Joseph, because God has given you wisdom, I'm going to put you in charge of everything. And so Joseph starts a savings program. Pause real quick. When things are good, start a savings program. True? Come on, true? Because things are going to get bad one day and there's going to be a tough day coming for you. So he says, think ahead. And so Joseph is thinking ahead. Now listen, fast forward the story. One day the famine hits and the people are going poor, 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 getting poor and poor and they're, they're struggling, they're struggling. All of a sudden, there's this group of people from the north out of the land of, e uh, of Israel that comes into Egypt and, and they want to have an audience with Pharaoh because they hear that Pharaoh has a storehouse of food. See where this is going? And Joseph comes out to meet this party seeking to buy food from Egypt and he takes a step out the back door and he goes that's my brothers oh my goodness those are, those are my brothers so now he's all dressed like an Egyptian all high and mighty and all rich and all that kind of stuff and he is sits in front of his brothers and his brothers don't even recognize him and let me think, I want you to think about this. If, if Joseph would have been replaying in his mind all that had happened to him, things in this story would have turned out different. He had every right to come out there and go, these are my brothers who sold me into slavery, tried to kill me, who could care less about me. He had all the authority and all of the power and all the just cause to have these men arrested and imprisoned or even killed. But because he was not replaying this in his mind, he comes out and he says, fellas, don't you recognize me? I am your brother. And they're like, yes, you're our brother. And guess what they do? They freak out. They think he's going to kill us. He's going to kill us. And they beg for mercy. And they're like, oh, oh, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. And Joseph goes, no, 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 no. Don't beg for mercy. 
Don't beg for mercy. Don't beg for mercy because he says this line. He says this line. He says, what God or what you intended for evil, what you intended to hurt me and to destroy me, he says, God has lifted to something else, that God has made plans for something good out of the evil that was shown me. And friends, let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you something. This is how the spirit of God works. When there are these offenses and there are these hurts in our life, they make fertile ground for God to do a work that we would not otherwise have in our life. He does not want us to get stuck back there and to replay it over and over and over. He wants to use that for something that is good that he wants to do inside of you. The best stuff grows out of well-fertilized ground and the best fertilizer is you know what? It's the stuff of life that is intended to hurt us. That God wants to shape something new inside of you. And I want you to think about this. God's goal for you is for you and me to be like Jesus. And when we forgive the hurt that has been done to us, we are most like Jesus. We forgive as God has forgiven us.